Welcome to episode 343 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Wednesday, May 11th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It's going good. It's getting crazy. It's what's happening. It really is getting crazy because uh, the Angels just made a, a blockbuster deal to save their season. They went and scooped Yalise Chassin. I didn't think they were going to make such a huge move, but now they're right back in the thick of things, and that's that's pretty much what we're going to focus the whole episode on. We're going to do a two-hour episode today, kind of break down that trade and figure out how much fab you need to put on Yulis. You're not buying it, I guess. You're not buying the Yulis. Okay, I'm just kidding, obviously. Oh, that's uh, what I was about it's getting crazy <laughs> and jed lowry you got to you got to do it in the breathless susan walden voice <laughs> he's oh thing. it's yuli shasin shasin is in the building not to mention oh. uh jed lowry on the dl also a huge game changer <laughs> the things happening out in the west uh oh you know though uh, to to be honest about shasin you know he's better than our jokes. I think. I mean, absolutely, he, he, absolutely. I'm, I'm only, I'm. The joke is really more on the Angels because their season. I don't think that anything probably can, should go the other direction. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think anything can save it. But Yulisha Asin has like one blow up, and then everything else has been pretty good this year. So I, I just would, literally got a G chat from Jeff Zimmerman. I just ran the above average pitches query before the Shasin trade. He has eight above average <laughs> traits uh, this year. So that means that basically. Um, swing strike and ground ball rate. So he, that's, I would think that means that he basically has four above average pitches. Wow. Well, prior to the outing where he got smashed by the Mets, they got him for eight runs. Chassin had a 327 ERA. He'd given up eight runs in a four starts before that. So it was eight runs in four starts and then eight runs in one start. Obviously, that's going to tank the numbers, but he's going to come back or not come back over. I don't think he's ever been in the AL. So it'll be a new league. Maybe he'll have them. Uh, maybe he'll have that little period of time where he's got him tricked because they don't know anything about him. You know, he's a useful AL only guy. I'm not sure that I'm 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 caring much in mixed. I wasn't caring much in mixed when he was with yeah. the uh, with the Braves. But you know, you're deeper mixed. You just hang on to him if you already had him. And then like AL I, only- I'm held on to Cody Anderson in AL in AL labor, and this is going to be interesting to me because not only is there the per pitch mix, but he's got that curveball back. Which mm-hmm. he had to throw away in Coors. Yeah, it wouldn't and, work in Coors. And so I guess the the caveat is he's thrown thirty curveballs. So the twenty three percent whiff rate is really nice, but it's on thirty curveballs. Small. Usually I like like a hundred pitches usually. Okay. But the slider, fifty nine sliders, twenty seven percent whiffs, thirty three changes, fifteen percent whiffs. So, you know the the uh, sinker gets uh like like over sixty percent ground balls. So I mean. He seems like a fairly safe kind of uh, twelve know, bucks, like, twelve bucks, fifteen bucks. Where are you at? Yeah, in AL? yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I don't really want to put the exact number on it because I know people. Oh, listen. yeah, 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 yeah. That, that. And that's I'm actually, fair. and I'm, I'm in tenth or something, but I don't feel that bad about this team. Like, I've gotten nothing from Adam Jones yet, and uh, might have started getting loose yesterday. Looked good, not, not just because of it's a because of a couple of hits. But the way he looked, I saw I saw the highlights of that game from Adam Jones, and he looked a lot better. And, and I and I hate to like skip ahead on the on the thing, but I have Trevor Bauer on this team, and yesterday was an eye opener for me because he showed the best movement on his sinker that he's shown in his career, and he's pairing that with the best velocity of his of his career. And so, wasn't it the longest outing of his career, or at least tied for seven and two thirds yeah. for Trevor Bauer? Um, so, I'm so. feeling pretty good about Trevor Bauer right now. And, you know, people, as soon as I say something like that, people are like, oh, mixed leagues. And, like, uh, sure, I think, like, a really deep mixed league where you have, like, 10 bench spots, um, then I, I like him because, um, you know, he's always had the whiffs. And the, what we're just looking for is a, an increase in ground balls, really. Sure. And a decrease in, in home runs. Um, and maybe, you know, I wouldn't kill for a decrease in walks either. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't kill me is what I said. Yeah. If if there's a little decrease, that'd be all right. But he's one of those guys, Trevor Bauer, who can live with a little bit higher walk rate when he's getting the strikeouts, he's keeping the ball on the ground. And yeah, so I hear you mixed league, deeper bench where you're not forced to use him or you're using a precious, you know, those Yahoo leagues. I think they only come standard with three bench spots or maybe that's ESPN, but either way, probably not there too 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 shallow but look look i think the best way to say it is this his era right now is 386 his whip is 129 and he has a strikeout per inning 
nothing in what in what he's doing right now when you look when you bring in the velocity and the movement nothing in what he's doing right now looks unsustainable okay with Trevor Bauer that that that's as good of an endorsement as you can get right now like you said you were hanging on to somebody like a Cody Anderson Chassin's coming over these are the kinds of guys that, that you got to be looking at that you know because obviously you're not going to find the super game changers in a lot of deeper leagues right now you've got to look yeah. for these under the radar guys who could I, Evolve into game changers, perhaps. Bauer had a lot of hype. He was a third overall pick. His stuff can be really nasty at times. So I, I, I like hearing you say some encouraging things about him. I hadn't been on the train much at all. So to see him go out, have a huge outing. He hasn't been bad yet as a starter either. It's only been three starts, but we haven't seen just the 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 collapse. He had a couple ugly outings in relief, but that's relief. It's hard to make anything any sense of it in, in two innings. So Bauer, somebody to keep an eye on. Here's the here's the crappiest thing I'm gonna like the non-numberiest thing you'll ever hear me say on this podcast probably, but I just saw a little vignette about Danny Salazar saying that you know Trevor Bauer has become like his best friend on the team, and even in that little vignette, Bauer said uh, Salazar said, well you know he doesn't open up much, mm -hmm. and you know he doesn't seem like a nice guy, but you know we really keep each other positive and stuff, and you know that's the kind of thing you know I think that. You know, given the alternatives and stuff, it, I think it was a little bit weird that he was sent to the bullpen, and people have wondered if it was personality. And I love the dude, but I love a lot of people that other people don't love. I know he's your boy, <laughs> but you also have – see, that's the thing that we get kind of the outside perspective of him, and he comes across a little bit salty and hard-headed, but, yeah, but, but you know him better. Yeah, and I think he's salty and hard-headed, but you know, he's, uh, he's just a gruff and – um, you know, I think it's it's fine. You know, people can be all kinds of personalities. You know, it's like I just wouldn't hold it against him. And when he when he like takes it to heart and he says I suck right now, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily him saying he sucks for all time and that you know they should be benching him and stuff. But that's how they kind of read it, you know. Sure. But maybe if the Salazar can keep him positive and at least. You know, maybe that could be a, a like a really it could be a really good thing for him because it would be just a you know a friendly face. I like in, stuff like that in the clubhouse, and you know it, it could make a difference. So I know it's not um, numbery, but the, yeah. some of that stuff matters. I mean, a lot of times you'd rather work with with friendly faces, right? Exactly. It, it better to be in a positive situation than a sour one where we're hearing oh he doesn't like it there and he's not getting along with this guy. You know, that's a that's a turn. I like. That Trevor Bauer has found somebody that he can lean on. Maybe, maybe that can be his outlet. So, yeah. Um, no, hey, just I, to just to mind my my AL Labor team one last time because, the, so my worst players right now are Lonnie Chisenhall, who seems like a fine platoon player to mm -hmm. me. The, um, is. Bobby Wilson, who he's terrible, but he's playing, and it's a two catcher, twelve team AL only. So I mean, what the hell. And I've got uh, J.R. Murphy and Max Kepler and Brad Zimmer on the bench and Chris Calabello. So I've got a lot of, like, potential second-half, you know, surgers on my bench. And then I've got Hunsu Kim. That's the only reason I brought all this stuff up, again, is that I've got Hunsu Kim. And right now he's not playing a lot, but he's playing a little bit more. And, and hasn't he day. played pretty well? I mean, it's, it's been yeah. a tiny sample, but we, we, he got obliterated when he got out to like an 0 for 18 in spring. That was a tiny sample. So the fact right. that he's 11 for 23 so far with three walks, two strikeouts, you know, give him a little hat tip there for uh, – Yeah, he's, and he's getting those walks, and Joey Ricard is not getting those walks. And Joey Ricard is a righty, and Kim is a lefty. So I think as Ricard, who has – Ricard has – been good but he's got below average exit velocity so i don't and he doesn't have a history of great power he so thinks I think he's, he's a power hitter yeah he's he, yeah. he getting high on himself with these three homers joey rickard rickard is and i i wonder if he's trying to hit hit more homers because uh I, it, could that affect the batting average if he tries to start selling out for power yeah and i i just don't i mean he's a righty too i think there could be and you know defense is one of his main facets sure i, I think that he could be a really ideal fourth outfielder um, and then, you know, Nolan Reimold is, is actually kind of starting right now. And uh, Nolan Reimold is, gets hurt all the time. I was so, going to say, he's alive. That's a pretty big factor right now that he's actually if you buy Kim right now in AL only, it's like a dollar, right? So mm -hmm. I think this is the time to buy Kim and either hope for a trade to the NL. Or, uh, or let know. it play out with, 
with a potential yeah. injury. I mean, they, 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 there's something's going to happen there. I feel like something's going to happen there. And, you know, the Braves and the Phillies, you know, they may have outfielders, but they'll take a guy like Kim any day. Well, especially if they got some pitching that they could offer, because that's still what Baltimore needs. Their offense, we know, is not having any problems. So it could play itself out that way where a Reimold or a Kim or, you know, somebody can get traded from that outfield. They get a little bit of pitching help, and then that, that playing time situation clears up. So I agree with you on Kim. That's a really interesting name. Completely off the radar right now. You can buy now before anything happens because if something tra- if the trade did happen or an injury did happen, then he'd go to the forefront, and you'd have to pay you know, 20 25% of your budget. So I like that. Um, let's dive into the names that we're going to talk about today. We're going to keep this format that we've been doing the last couple of episodes. We're just talking about a handful of guys and kind of kind of take stock of them, see where we're at. And we're going to start with the return of Jung Ho Gong, a guy that we love, and, and he came out firing right away. Unfortunately, he was probably on the bench for most people because he came back midweek, hit two homers. I don't hold it against him, though. I'm still geeked about it. He's back, uh, only played four games so far, but what, what did he end up missing? Not even a month and a half, so that wasn't too bad. I think month and a half was the conservative estimate that you were going to miss. A month was the aggressive, uh, the aggressive estimate. Everyone was saying, okay, maybe he comes back late April. That was best case scenario didn't quite happen may 6th was when jung ho gung returned he returns to a team that is playing well and and he'll be part of a, a quality lineup are we what are we seeing from him this year based on what he did last year when he got the slow start as he adjusted and then took off does he pick up where he left off or does he have to make another not necessarily adjustment but is it a little bit of a slow start because of the uh, of the return from injury how do you feel about jung ho gung the rest of the way uh, you know, it's too tiny of a sample to say much about what he's done. Sure. Um, but I guess I would say that it's interesting that they say he's going to play two games and then be a pinchhitter in the third game for a while. So, um, and that's what he's done. That so played out that way, yes. That makes it a little bit difficult in those weekly leagues. I mean, he's probably in, in weekly leagues, if it's deep at all, then you just play him anyway. But, um, you know, for right now, uh, you're going to have to kind of, watch that and I mean, at least it's it's predictable so you could just be like well he's played the last two days i guess he's not going to play today well and think of like an nfbc where you can actually make um friday saturday sunday switches where you can or, or just for that part of the week you can make a, a move for the weekend series if he got his two games played on wednesday and thursday you know he's going to be a pinch hitter friday you want to go with somebody who could play all three games maybe you make the move that way um Obviously, daily leagues, you can really manipulate it and, and maximize your playing time with Jung Ho Gung. But uh, I don't know that that will last too long. That's obviously just to get his feet under him. And hell, you know, he could do some damage as a pinch hitter, too. He, he, that's the worst is when you take a guy out because you know he's going to either not start or be a pinch hitter. And then he comes in and, and smashes. Victor Martinez in the first series of the of the season, I'm sure he was out of people's lineups because they were in Miami. Two pinch hit home runs in the first two games. So I would probably just play Gung in most league formats unless you're in a 10-teamer where you have a markedly better option and you want to wait for that steady playing time. Yeah. I, I mean, if if this the other thing is that there is upside beyond because one thing that happened last year also uh, for him was that he started out with, um, you know, a, a, a ground ball rate um, – let me see. Let me get the by game. You, have you seen the new the new graphs? They're pretty cool. So great, Sean Sean Dolanair. Uh, is that how you say his name? Dolanair. I he, say Dolanair, but whatever. He, he, he's beast. Uh, excellent, excellent stuff. I believe there's an article about it where you can read uh, the changes that were made to the new graphs. They're so cool. Yeah, updated player graphs. I'll actually link it in the show notes. You can take a look. The work that he's been doing for us is tremendous. The the sexy tables that you see on all of our articles, that's him as well. He made the tableizer, so he's pretty much a beast. But uh, what, what what did you find on on Gung with him? Well, he just he just um uh I just remember I can't actually pull up for some reason ground ball uh fly ball mix can't can't do by game yet. But um I just remember that last year. Let me just do it by splits then. I remember him coming out with um, with uh, more of a ground ball, like hitting way too many ground balls at first. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I, I mean, I've got it pulled up here. It's just my memory, so I want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, in the first couple months, 57% ground balls, 57% ground balls, 58, 50. That's his first three months right there. Wow. Uh, and then his last three months, 44, 50, and 40. 
So yeah. basically, he went from first half fifty four percent ground balls, second half forty five percent ground balls. That's what that's going from two plus grounders for fly ball to one point five. So he basically uh, had more of a power stroke in the second half. Yeah, and he, he Gung fi- figured it out. You look at the chart that, that you're looking at; it's like an X, basically. The ground ball rate goes straight down, fly ball rate goes straight up. That power was there for a shortstop, third base eligible guy. Obviously, I think he's more useful at shortstop, but. Jungle Gong is somebody that we backed all year. I, I'm I'm not changing my tune at all. We backed him all off I think there's a little season. bit of upside is all I'm saying beyond what he did last year. I think there's a little bit more power upside if he ha- retains that fly. He, he has hit actually two fly balls per ground. Well, not two, but he's hit more fly balls than ground balls so far this year. And, uh, of course, that's only 13 play appearances. So I'm not really saying that's a big deal. But what I'm saying is that plus what his, his fly ball mix last year and how it went. Well, um, I think represents the upside, and I think he could be. I think he could hit, you know, another fifteen plus homers. Okay, that was my question. Could could he chase down twenty, even with the month month plus missed? I think so. Okay. I mean, I think he, I he's the kind of guy who can hit twenty five to thirty homers in a full season. So yep. You know, we're, we're he he lost a, a month and a half. That's not great, uh, but he did, does have two homers on the on the ledger. So you know, can he hit another fifteen? Yes, I do think so. I think he can hit another eighteen. So we're very pro gung. Uh, yeah, that would <laughs> that would uh, it's the gung show here. That's right, but, um, very much so. <laughs> I would um, I would take the over on batting average and projected ISO, um, and maybe the under on his projected uh, strikeout rate. So yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty gung ho. That was a good one. We're going to definitely not say any more about him on that. We can't. we got to finish on that one. Uh, this <laughs> next guy, for, for somebody who only has one full season and 1,203 plate appearances in the majors, he's a pretty divisive guy uh, for not being necessarily a star-level player. You either love or you hate Abasel Garcia. He's got his backers and he's got his others that are just like, no. What? Why? Um, I fall into more of the. I, I like him. I, I think there is something there, but I understand why you know people aren't. Some aren't necessarily that enamored with him. He gets those those Miguel Cabrera comps because he looks like him. Like he just has that kind of a build like him, and, and even in the face looks a bit like him. But nobody's expecting him to be anything like Miguel Cabrera. So I don't think that that's a reasonable expectation to hold him up to or judge him against. But you know we haven't really seen anything close to a breakout last year he hit 13 homers had seven stolen bases but it was seven for 14 so it's like maybe you shouldn't be running at all maybe you should just try to focus on being more of a run producer power hitter well so far this year he's getting on track power wise a 204 iso for avisail garcia four homers 269 average 343 obp 473 slug it's early but the 25-year-old might finally be uh, pushing toward a power breakout. Where do you come down in his camp? Are you pro Avisail Garcia, or do you lean more toward the Brad Johnson camp, which says, nah, nah, no thanks? Yeah, I finally dropped him in my 12-team uh, dynasty, and now I'm now he's I've actually got him a pickup of him like <laughs> like just sitting there. Anything worse than than <laughs> picking up the guy? My dad does that at least once a year with a guy. We always make jokes about it, how he's like, oh, I just, you know, I cut whoever. I can't wait to pick him back up in two weeks because it, it, it <laughs> happens to my dad every single year. He cuts somebody who's, you know, probably too good to be cut. And I tell him, you know, I don't think I'd cut him. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I will. I'll just pick him up in two weeks. And he does it. So you're, you're going back out to get Avisail Garcia. Are you seeing anything sustainable here? Because the plate skills are pretty much the same. Strikeout rate down a tick, walk rate up two ticks. They're both passable, nothing special. Is there something in the batted ball profile that has this power feeling viable to you? Well, I mean, there's one thing I really like is that there all these little ticks that you mentioned, they're all in the right direction, and they're all ticks. Like, they're all – it's not like, you know, huge swings where you're like, oh, he has like a 500 BABIP and – yeah. Uh, he has a 10% strikeout rate after like years of 25 plus, you know? So it's like, no, it's, he shaved a a couple strikeouts off. He added a couple walks. He's got the best swing rate of his career. We know that's a a, a meaningful stat earlier. Um, and it hasn't been taken away from his own swing. It's been mostly his, his reach rate, uh, that, that he's taken away from. So that's all good. Really cut into the O swing zone. 
uh, yeah. O swing percentage. So he's not uh, Abisal Garcia is not trying to to go for the junk and he can flail at times. And I like seeing that that his O swing is down to thirty seven percent. He's being more selective, and I think that, that that's definitely a, a contributing factor to power and has him up almost a hundred points on his ISO. Yeah, and then on top of that, you know. Don't look too hard at the ISO because that's really like a five-month thing. It's a really terrible thing. I mean, just look at um, – let's look at Lorenzo Cain's ISO today. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it completely I remember flipped it on its head um, in in the span of one night with he, when he hit three homers. Now he's up to 131. What was he coming into yesterday? Probably like 088 or something? Well, I went I went on a on a podcast yesterday. What's it called? The uh, Oh, In This League Fantasy Podcast. With, in This uh, League, yeah. I went on their podcast. And I, we were we had Kane versus Fowler, and so he had a point oh six three yesterday. Oh my god! And today he has a point one three one. He more than doubled it with a three homer night. And he went from like career worst ISO to, to his career level. Yeah, right, right to where he was, you know, right, right to where he's been uh, for and a little. He's on okay. pace for you know pretty much the same, you know, ten to fifteen type, you know, fifteen homer type thing they did last year. So. You know, I still I I would I came down on the Fowler side because mostly because uh, Fowler has stolen six bases out of six tries. Fowler's and beasting, like but it, but Kane is three for six, and we know he's had leg troubles. Exactly. Well, that's that's the thing that's always ever worried me about Kane was the way he plays the game. It leaves him susceptible to injuries. He's had some injuries in the past. He plays the all-out defense. I just worry that he he'll get nicked. And that's my only concern with Lorenzo Kane. So at least he got loose yesterday, got those three homers, got on track. But Fowler, somebody who, despite having a great year last year, um, he was good only. In, it was only 116 games, but he's good with the Astros. Despite a, a, a career of just solid work, I don't feel like he ever gets the love that he deserves. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, anyway so back to, back to Avasale. Uh, what, what's what's the just, verdict here on the 25 year old? I, I think maybe even though we shouldn't look at ISO, I think maybe it's sustainable at least on the like 180 to 200 level. It's at 204 right now, okay, um, and that's above the projections. And the reason I say that is he's changed his ground ball fly ball mix. And again, it's not a real big deal, but it is the most fly balls he's hit for ground ball in his career. Um, and he's just ticked it up, you know, he's just a, you know, 31% fly balls up from 27, you know, 28, 26. So it's just, just an, a little bit up, same amount of home runs for fly balls as, as his career pretty much, but more fly balls. So that's more chances. So yeah, the more volume that you get, that's going to help. Obviously, Garcia, that team is playing out of their minds right now. Broadly, how sustainable is that team? Do you think? Oh, you know, it's I. I picked them to win the division, and it was a bit of a lark. But it was it, the reason was that the division was wide open, though. That that, and then also on top of it, when you do have a, either a surprise team or or a team, you know, that that overachieves a little bit, it almost always is because they stayed healthy, and um, so therefore depth is good, and depth is the best way to be good every year. You know, um, think about uh, the athletics when they were good for a long time without much money. Yep. Uh, think about the Red Sox and how they've overcome the fact that they're two, like two of their three highest price uh, acquisitions bats over the last few years have been terrible. Um, they still have a good offense because they've just had other guys. Travis Shaw steps up. And, yep. You know, Mookie Betts steps up and Jackie Bradley's fine. And so uh, depth is a really good way to do it. And I don't think the White Sox have done it. Um, but, uh, so if they fall apart, it's because somebody gets hurt. And, and okay. So they're, they've got what they've Which got right now, usually, but it doesn't happen to every team all the time. You well, know, I think they also have a good track record of health as a, as a, as a team. Um, the yeah. white Sox do, I think might be more on their pitching, but maybe even at large, I, I want to say that the white Sox have got a good track record of keeping guys on the field, their players play. It's a solid team. They made some solid additions this year. They made some additions two years ago that we got psyched about last year. Uh, obviously, the Samarja one didn't work. Robertson was fine. And, and who else did they add? There, there was a big three that they kind of added. Um, 
Who am I blanking on? I don't remember. I'm just a dumb person, and I can't remember. Well, they, they signed Nate Jones, but well, it was it was no, it was when it was Robertson, Samarja, and somebody else, and I don't know why I can't think of. Oh, the, oh, of the, Melky. oh, Melky, Melky. Yeah. So you know they still got two of those guys. They added Brett Laurie, who's playing really well. Todd Frazier, who's get, coming out of his funk and is at least hitting for power. They had a Jimmy Rollins too. I think it was a kind of a quiet one because just because it didn't ripple on the fantasy market doesn't mean it wasn't a solid addition for them to their team. So they made a lot of additions. They've got a solid team going right now. I like Avisel Garcia. How many more homers can he hit the rest of the year? And then we'll move on to our next guy because we've got some pitchers to talk about. Yeah, I think he's going to end up with 20 homers. Okay. So that's going to leave 16 in the bag, even more than he hit all of last year. So I'd say that's a buy candidate at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to end the year about 265, 270 with 20 homers. It's it's really kind of – it's why he's sort of sitting there. It's like, you know, in my league, uh, debating, dropping, you know, Soler, who I think has more upside than that, and it's a dynasty league. Uh, Dickerson, who I think, you know, has more upside than that. Um, Domingo Santana is an interesting name there, but I think Santana has more power and maybe more speed, so – it's hard for me to – those are three guys that are probably – a lot of people are saying, well, do I drop one of them for him? Yeah. And it depends a, a little bit on your keeper thing. In this league, I keep almost everybody. Okay. And uh, and so you know, dropping a guy like Solaire is going to be really painful. The other option, and it's the harder one obviously, is to make make a deal where you open up a spot. Is that, is that available to you yeah, at all? Yeah. Like a or, two-for-one? Or I could just drop a, a guy who's been playing well for me like Derek Dietrich who um, has sort of a sunset, you know, on his usability. So sure. make your team a little bit less usable right now uh, in order for to sort of have these guys on your team. I that's, like that's, Dietrich, though. I'm not going to lie. I know. I, like exactly. a bit. I know. I know. But so it's like that's that's my choice. But I think I'm leaning towards Dietrich because my team is, is not doing so well. And we talked about it. I think it's going to do better, but it's better for me to hold on to future assets. Absolutely. Just in case, just in case. All right, let's talk some pitchers. It's been a while since we've talked some pitchers and you know, a lot of, a lot of quality pitchers are struggling out of the gate this year. And it's, it's kind of an interesting thing because this was the year that the, the whole fantasy market really bought into the idea that, Oh, pitchers, man, these, these studs, they're bankable. Let's, let's go out and get these guys. We can pay for them and it'll be all right. And a lot of them are, 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 underwhelming against expectations and one of them Sonny Gray and um, you know his first four starts were fine but his last three have been atrocious and so his his overall numbers for Sonny Gray are just not good he's got a six ERA flat 156 whip his, he's still getting his ground balls the way he always does strikeouts are, are the modest 20 percent that that he does the walks are up though home runs are way up at a 1.2, almost double what he did last year and has done for his career. So that's a big deal. MLB Network, they did a breakdown suggesting as his stuff's flattening out, he's getting under it, kind of leading with the elbow. It was Ryan Dempster and Mark DeRosa talking about it. thought they did a pretty good breakdown of it, uh, showing a few highlights. But is this a thing where it's a, a few bad starts and he works his way out of it? Or is it something that Sonny Gray – was maybe working on a on the wire and and now is on the downside uh, of of the margin of error that he had in the first place. Where, where do you stand with Sonny Gray? Yeah, there it probably is something mechanical on some level because the 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 curveball is not um, is not as good. Yeah, they but, say they say he's not staying on top of it. Yeah, uh, the the thing that's harder for me for on that one. Is that um, <clears throat> in terms of <clears throat> movement? It's not. Uh, it's not easy to see uh, the curveball changing a ton. Okay. Um, I mean, last year it got uh, anywhere from uh, minus uh, anywhere from minus five to minus six point seven as a uh, actually anywhere from minus four point five to minus six point seven as a sort of vertical drop number, and this year That's it's been inches. minus six. Yeah, for those, for those un- unaware. Well, it's also theoretical. I would just say that the the drop that he's got on his curve right now would fit in and would have been that these two months this year would have been his third and fourth best months for drop last year. Okay, so if you wouldn't have seen the the surface numbers, the results, and you just said here's his here's oh, his data on on the curveball, you say that that fits. <clears throat> there shouldn't be anything necessarily wrong with the curveball. Yeah. So in terms of 
movement. <clears throat> you know how the movement of that thing. It's not that weird. Okay. And I think what's um, what's instead happening is he's lost command of it. Now that could be what they're talking about. Maybe the mechanical thing that they were talking about is what has caused him to lose his command because he definitely lost command of it. Instead of hitting the outside corner with that curveball, he's now you know three or four inches below that. You know, Jeff Seldman did a great point. Great point, dropping that. Uh, great job pointing that out. And I actually noticed it before because when I I looked at his ball to strike ratio, he used to get one strike to every ball on the curveball um, last year, and this year it that's flipped where it's now two balls for every strike. Oof. So uh, he's definitely not hitting the zone with the curveball, which is important because if a guy doesn't swing at your curveball. You got to um, you got to get that call strike. So, yeah, this uh, this Jeff Sullivan piece is really good. That the, the the pictures that he used, the little the gifts that he used to kind of highlight the breaking ball movement uh, is definitely instructive. Yeah, because it's not so much that he's lost uh, all that movement in. Uh, it's not that he's lost a ton of movement. It, it's that it's where he it doesn't lands. really have the slider as much, and there's been a little bit of a morphing between the slider and the curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's he's basically lost the touch on his breaking ball. Now that's I think the finest way to say it is that he's lost the touch on the breaking ball, and that means lost command, and that means a little bit of a lost separation between the slider and curveball. The difficult thing about saying something like that is then. You know prescriptions and uh, discussions of how he can, if he can fix it, and um, you know how uh, how likely it is he fix that he gets back on top of this. And I would say that I would buy his projections. I, you know, he's a he's the kind of guy who tinkers and 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 you know changes changes things up on the mound. So I could see him finding something in the middle of a game. So like a three and a half and a one, a low one, two is kind of where if you, if you put zips, steamer and depth charts together, that's where you get sunny gray right now for 160 yeah, more like innings. 3.6, 1.25 with a 7.7 strikeouts per nine. It's not, um, it's not an ace. So if, if someone's like making you pay by low price on an ace, I wouldn't do that. But if they're uh, charging you for a three starter, you're paying? Yeah, I mean two, three. I mean that's that's pretty good. What about Fowler and, straight up? Since we just talked, only only because we just talked about him. I mean, yeah, it's probably pretty likely because of Fowler's contract situation and how things went that um, that uh, Fowler's your third outfielder. Yeah, his, his he just didn't cost a lot. Did even yeah. even going back to the Cubs, it wasn't. Or, honestly, if he'd gone to the Orioles, I think Fowler's price would have been much higher in the market. So he probably is your third, maybe your fourth outfielder, depending how early you stack outfielders and how how good you felt about Fowler. So I'm just wondering. And as much as I well, as much as I believe uh, in his power surge a little bit, um, you know, I'm not willing to give him much more than 15 homers, uh, 20 stolen bases. You know, that's pretty good, but it's probably not going to come up with a 300 average. That part is 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 not believable. But the, so, the runs are are I think a game changer for Dexter Fowler. Yeah, and that w- I think straight up on value, it's too much. Um, I'd rather trade like a Billy Burns or um, I don't know. Uh, what what else can I come up with? Um, uh, let's see. Hang on, I'll get you some outfielders here in just Curtis one, Granderson. One Curtis Granderson. Uh, what about what about Josh Reddick? Is that, sure. Is that too much Reddick's as well? not going to get you any stolen bases. So if you if you compare um, if you if you talk about well, we Reddick, don't care what he's doing. We're giving him away. We're trying to get Gray at this point, right? I know that's what I'm saying. So if you look at Reddick versus Fowler, oh, okay. Fowler Sorry. and Reddick are going to have similar batting average. Even if I think Reddick is doing something interesting with his contact rate, um, I'm, I'm not willing to give him much more than Fowler. So if you if you give him about the same uh, batting average and about the same power going forward, and a little bit more to Reddick, uh, Fowler wins on stolen bases. So Reddick is below Fowler, and uh, and I think actually a decent a decent buy for. Um, I know people don't really value Reddick as much as they should, but I think I on value alone. I would trade Reddick for Gray if I if I thought I might the middle of my rotation needed a little beef, um, I would do that. Okay, so go out there if you're interested, maybe buy in on Gray. You, you can probably get a discount at this point. I think it's bad enough with enough innings. Even though it's only 39 innings, 
to say that, listen, I got to get a discount. And if you're not offering that discount, you move on at that point. Now, if, if y'all want a preview of what we're going to talk about, you can kind of get it by following both of us on Twitter, at Eno Saris and at Spore, because Eno has taken to, and I like this, if you think of a guy that you want to talk about, you just tweeted me. You, you put these couple names. I think it was Sonny Gray and Eddie Butler together. You said, put them on for the next pod. And that way we don't forget about them. Because I think about guys randomly too. Like I, on a, like a Thursday, I'll think about somebody I want to talk about with you. And then I'll forget by Monday. I'm like, damn, I had somebody that I really wanted to bring up. And now I can't remember. So we're using Twitter as like our own little posting board here. And you mentioned Gray. You put Gray and Butler. You said, put those two on there. And it was Sonny Gray, not John Gray. Why did you put Eddie Butler on there besides the fact that he's got a 24% strikeout rate and a 6% walk rate? I'm sure that's the reason why, but how Mm -hmm. useful can Eddie Butler be when he plays half his games at Coors? I loved Eddie Butler last year, but Coors just ravaged him. He wasn't ready. At least now he's showing some some solid skills that might make him a road-only starter. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I think he could be half a starter, and you know – at some point, one of these guys that was a real high, a real high uh, uh, draft pick and and was supposed to be so great is going to actually be usable in course. But we're not there yet. I'm going to give him a half a starter. And the reason that I am really interested in is the slider usage. If you go back to June last year, he suddenly started using the slider 20% of the time and more than his changeup. And he's a right-hander, so. Um, you know, that makes more sense, you know, in terms of traditional usage. Absolutely. And then this year he bumped that slider usage up to 30%. And, um, and, and he's just working in the change, uh, a lot less often. Now the change was supposed to be his best pitch coming in. I remember, but it just, you know, year over year last year got, uh, 7.8 whiff percent whiffs for, for hundred. So, uh, that's about half. Uh, an average changeup, so it wasn't good. Part, pardon the pun, but does any pitch change more often in terms of wow, he had a good one in the minors, and this could be really great uh, <laughs> to, to falling apart? It, it, is the changeup one of the more dynamic pitches? Because anecdotally, I feel like it is. Remember when Julio Tehran had an amazing changeup? I want to say he had like a he got a seventy grade on it in some prospect reports when he was coming up, and now it's a situation where lefties absolutely obliterate him, uh, or at least they did last year. He's actually been pitching pretty well this year. But is that one of the most uh, dynamic pitches that can that can because it's such a feel pitch yeah and i think it just really it's a it's a sequencing heavy pitch i mean if you think about marco estrada's changeup, if you watch it and don't watch any of the pitches before or after you're like what <laughs> and that and that that pitch leads baseball in whiffs per uh whiffs in zone whiffs so basically he just throws that thing in the zone yeah it looks like it does it doesn't have great movement uh, and yes, it does have 10% velocity gap, which we talk about all the time, but, um, it, uh, it, it still is about the pitch before and the pitch after. So, uh, in terms of Eddie Butler, he must not have been able to, and maybe now with that breaking ball, he can now bring the change up in and be like more of a change up where it's like, you know, Oh, it's I didn't literally expect- changing things up as opposed yeah. to something he was using 15% of the time they were waiting on it. It only has a six mile per hour gap for Eddie Butler. And so, yeah. you know, plus if it's not getting the movement in, in Coors, that could also have been a problem, but yeah, he's really shifted his pitch mix. You're talking about a 31% slider, which we do worry about from a, from a usage standpoint from injury, but Right now, it's working, and and we've seen it work with guys. Obviously, long term, there's some concern because of the health when you when you use it that much. But I like what Eddie Butler's doing so far, and I do think he's a good half starter. Now, between him and John Gray, that's another one who we thought, okay, maybe he's going to be the one who can survive in Coors. And you know, obviously, no, it hasn't happened so far. But would you would you use both of these guys as half starters? And is there any like hangover effect to getting your face caved in in Coors all the time. Can you still keep your confidence to go out on the road and, 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 and stay on track and, and continue to use what worked there? Or does any of the getting crushed at Coors have an effect once they leave home? I mean, I think the people will attribute maybe head type stuff to bad games on the road, but yeah, bad games happen on the road or and at home, no matter so. what. Yeah. yeah. They, but, they can't you know, be perfect. The reason I really – I'm glad you brought up John Gray too because I talked to him when he was in town. And I, and I can share something about that real quick. But the reason I brought up Eddie Butler at all is when I saw that slider thing, I remembered 
Adam Ottavino, we were just sort of talking about other guys in the in the in the in the clubhouse there. And Adam Ottavino actually is sort of like um, a second pitching coach in a way I've discovered because he looked down the line and he said, "If Eddie Butler ever bre- develops a breaking ball he trusts, he's going to break out." So oh, I, I just Ovino. I remember so yeah, I remember that in my ear, and then I saw that slider rate, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And I wouldn't even be surprised if Adam Ottavino said Helped something him. to Eddie Butler. Yeah. Because not only is Adam Ottavino the slider guy, and everybody goes to him on that, but Adam Ottavino helped John Gray. So now John Gray tells me Adam Ottavino is helping me learn how to how to manipulate my slider so that I have two sliders. So uh, John Gray, who we've always sort of talked about as not having a great change, uh, being a fastball slider guy, is uh, he's he hasn't quite broken it out a lot, but he's basically developing a slider and a cutter. Um, so that he can have a bigger and a smaller, uh, uh, bigger and a smaller uh, breaking ball yeah. that he can use, and he's starting to trust the curve. So there's a real possibility here that we've got you know a three breaking ball guy, and that's a big and that- downshift in in speed as well. His curveball at uh, Gray's goes down to 77 miles per hour, and he works 95, 97 with his fastball. So that's a big shift in speed. Yeah. Plus, has the 10 mile an hour difference between his fastball and slider as well, because that works in the uh, in the upper 80s, 86, 87. Yeah, so I think there's enough change of speed there, enough weapons against lefties. Uh, you know, he's thrown 39 curveballs, and 23 of them have, against, have, been against, have been against lefties. Hasn't gotten a great whiff percentage at 4%, but it's gotten uh, 21 out of 30 gra- uh, ground balls. I hate, why can't they just do a real ground ball rate on Brooks? It just bothers me. So I have to do the math. <laughs> Damn, Brooks. Everyone is like, We're not out here trying to do math. 70%. 70% ground ball rate. So. That's uh that's a good that's a good uh weapon for him because the slider gets twenty four percent whiffs the curve gets seventy percent grounders between the two of those things those are really exceptional um, numbers for for their for their pitch type so yeah the changeup is bad and I expect him to throw fewer of them as he gets into this cutter for Gray and, you're talking about now yeah John Gray and I expect him to throw fewer uh, of those changeups and start to really break out. It, the only thing that I would say is he's also half a pitcher, even though it's tempting sometimes to look at his home starts and say, well, he struck out a ton of guys. Yeah. The 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 reason that I'm a little bit worried is when I, we talked about Coors, he said, well, at home, I just try to throw the crap out of the ball. I just, yeah, just run, <laughs> just go back and, and, and ch- chuck it. And the thing of it is he can run it up to 90, uh, 100, I mean, at times as well, I think. So maybe that works. Yeah, well, he said... He, he also said he wouldn't throw the, the second slider yet at home. So um, there's certain things. And the curve, he says, he's a little bit less likely to throw at home. So there's certain things that he won't do that I like him, uh, that I like about him, that I think he should do more of that he won't do at home. So um, that's uh, that's the thing. It was also funny. I came up to him and I said, uh, have you ever heard of fan graphs? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I, I just told you that before. I wanted to tell you that before I told you that you're killing it so that you knew uh, why I said that. And he said, <laughs> Oh, he said, oh, yeah, I know. It's been pretty good. Just one bad start. So uh, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, Despite and, uh, going to Oklahoma. That's that's impressive, John Gray. <laughs> that's impressive. This this Longhorn thinks that that's very impressive that you have a good head on your shoulders despite going there. They didn't poison you. Now, I'm just kidding, but I, I like John Gray despite his, uh, his soonerness. Um, I would love for him to be that guy who can figure it out at Coors because I just – oh, he would be so good. If he could have like a four ERA at home – and then be the beast on the road. Then we're talking about a, a mid threes or, or maybe even a little bit better with tons of strikeouts because the dude can just chuck it in there. Now, we talked about two teammates there, uh, Butler and Gray. We're going to talk about two more teammates as well. And I got a tweet for you. And you can tell me if, you, if you're familiar with this tweet. I watched J.A. Happ and I don't get it. <laughs> that was 16 hours ago from the account of Mr. Eno Saris. That was you last night after uh, an eight and two thirds outing where he just he kept him off balance all night. The San Francisco Giants. That is not an easy team. Great park to be in for you know any mistakes that he might have had. I, I didn't watch the full game. Uh, it was more on mute. That's why I don't have a great feel for how how much he was uh, you know getting lucky or if he was at all. But you know six hits, no runs, three walks, five strikeouts, eight and two thirds. Like I said, they had to go get him uh, to let uh, I, I, who they let finish it off. Was it just Osuna? Um, but you say you don't get it. 
And here's the thing. He's his surface numbers, his results look like the 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 Pittsburgh stuff, right? 205 ERA, 116 whip. He had a 185 and a 104 last year with Pittsburgh, but the skills behind it are nothing like it. And the one reason I liked Hap was I thought he was going to bring some of what he learned in Pittsburgh with him to Toronto and be okay. He's actually been great, but it hasn't been because of that. The strikeouts are way down. They're the worst of his career. The walks are still good. Uh, ground balls are nothing special. They're solid, but he's stranding 90% of the runners he's led on. What's going on with Jay Hap? I know you don't get it, but I'm going to make you explain it to me anyway. What, what What's up with Jay Hap right now? Yeah, I mean, he... Even in terms of pitch mix, he was throwing a bunch of four seamers. In, yeah, in he threw the hard stuff uh, with, with and, Pittsburgh. You know, Brooks says he's throwing four seamers and sinkers. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit of a classification classification thing going on because I think last night uh, it felt like mostly four seamers. Okay. And my answer to you know what's going on would be that it's really hard to watch a guy and get rise you know understand rise sure so i think that um because it just it's like 90 miles an hour and it just looks like especially because you're for the most part unless you're right behind home plate you're looking down at him Mm -hmm. and looking down at the at the batter and the pitcher so you can't see that you know the, the the stuff on that plane where it's kind of staying high you know and and staying higher than you would expect and by the way that that is almost what rise is it's not really so much that it actually rises it's that it just doesn't go down the way most most fastballs do it just kind of stays up and and it has that late life that you guys hear about um jumps on you know you also hear sometimes oh it just jumps on you even though it's 90 91 it jumps on you from from the left side there and i think that's what's something that hap has had and it was he was like that in in pittsburgh and now he's been like that with the with the jays so far his second time around with them yeah, and so I mean the thing that you have to realize then if he's doing rise is that like, like the strikeouts have to be added to the to the pop-ups, and um, you know it's not amazing amounts of pop-ups in the box score, but there's another kind of pop-up that's to the outfield, you know, the la- he, the lazy can of corn. Yeah, and he had tons of those. And I know it's the weak contact that we just have a hard time. The stat world has not really gotten behind yet. But it really, it almost looked like you could think about um, changing the definition of a pop-up, you know, and really defining where the 99% outs are. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we call, so we call a pop-up, we think of a pop-up, it's infield, right? Yes, infield, fly ball. But there are outfield ones. Right, and so what I'm saying is perhaps our definition of infield needs to change because it already is changing with a shift. We're moving guys over and there and that, right? Mm -hmm. So there is probably a contour of the 99% or the 95% out fly ball, right, that goes beyond the infield. Well, maybe we need the definition from that uh, Atlanta-St. Louis game when they had the infield fly Uh, in that infamous wild card game. Yeah, they they called that an infield fly (laughs) 15 feet out of the infield. So uh, that's exactly the kind of pitch I'm talking about is that he got a lot of those. There were all these pitches where the 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 infielder had to really race back and the outfielder had to really race in and they they made it look harder but you know in terms of velocity exit velocity and but the and, contact you know, wasn't dangerous. It it it, yeah. it could have dropped into no man's land but it well, was not going to be, you know, punishing. And it hung up enough honestly to to not seem that risky even if the the, the second baseman's kind of running so you know it's uh i like that just saying that makes me want to to kind of define that 90 90 95 99 percent uh contour and see how far out those go because you know there are probably people that get pop-ups in those areas that don't get counted as pop-ups and so we look at jay hap and say well you know his pop-up rate is uh below league average right now mm-hmm. so you know it can't be it can't be that but at the same time he throws he gets a lot of rise and you know there those weak ass fly balls is is what i would how would i explain last night i get uh, a different story sure. i just just watching him looking at the swinging strike rate looking at the strikeout rate i just 
I can't, I, I'm not, I don't, I still don't believe. Like I can tell you sort of intellectually why it works and where he might exist in the stats that make it sustainable possibly, but I just don't feel it. You know what I I'm completely saying? Like I just understand. And, and, and sometimes that's just what it's going to be. And there's sometimes the other way where you don't have the numbers to say it, but you do feel it. You're like, oh, you know, that kind of goes back to Nick Castellano, somebody that we would we were bought in on in the winter. Like, I, we don't have a great, here's five metrics that will make you believe. But one thing we always talk about, too, is look at the ERA and whip in tandem. 205 and 116, that doesn't really match up. That ERA has to come up. That 90% left on base rate for J-Hap can't happen. There's just too much contact. And even if it is weaker contact, there, there's a rise in the ERA coming. There really is. I know his fastball might be rising. So is his ERA. It's, it's going to. I think he's going to be more of a 350 guy from, from, from here on out, maybe even a little bit worse. If you got him, you know, you, you can't really sell high. You're not pulling the wool over anybody's eyes on a 33 year old lefty who had, you know, one good, one great run. It was for what 11 starts last year with Pittsburgh. But if you, if you make him a sweetener in a deal that you really want to get done, I think that that's the best way to maximize your J half stock right now. Let's talk about his teammate, yeah. Marcus Stroman, since we are talking teammates today. You got a chance. Well, oh, I just wanted to say one, one last thing. thing on go ahead. No, it's not necessarily happens in particular. It's that, you know, the, the guys on the uh, on the uh, podcast I was on, they, they asked me about, um, you know, what the room is for, for feel uh, when there's so many stats out there. And, and uh, like, I, I, I'm thinking about this HAP thing, and I'm also thinking about the um, – uh, an argument we were having about Garrett Cole the other day. And I just, uh, you know, pitching is so terrible uh, when it comes to projecting. It's re- we, we have a really hard time projecting it. Um, you know, we have a real hard time projecting it from game to game, from year to year. Um, and it's vol- I think it's, it's both volatile and hard to project because pitchers make huge adjustments from, from inning to Absolutely. inning, from game to game that changed what they're doing uh, in, in large swings. So, you know, I do think there is a room for feel, and particularly in, when it comes to pitching. And so, you know, any argument about Garrett Cole, I'm like, yeah, you know, his strikeout minus walk rate right now is not that great. Um, here's the thing. I think that he's better than his, any of his numbers today. I completely agree. I mean, I watch – when yeah. I watch Garrett Cole, his stuff is it's filthy. It's – utterly filthy and he can take over a game and he was amazing last year he's he's never been bad he's he's kind of still kind of figuring it out but he is just 25 as well i honestly think that this is going to be somebody in his mid and late 20s that's going to be one of the the best pitchers in baseball um he if he doesn't want to sign i'll be surprised i'm yeah, or at least really like a top three a couple different times. I think that that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about here with Garrett Cole. And yeah, the numbers right now, they don't jump off the page. But if someone's selling him because of a 378 ERA and a 135 whip, sign me up. Thank you. I'll take it. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about Stroman, though, because you did get a chance to talk to him. He's been an interesting guy this year. He was somebody kind of on the fringe of that top 20, more of a top 25 guy. You definitely didn't really want him as your number one because the strikeouts are not a huge part of his game. However, after not topping five strikeouts for his first five starts, he's got nine and eight in his last two starts. He's looked really dominant after kind of a a, a modest April. It, I, I I'm very hesitant to say bad because it just I don't think it was bad even with a 4.37 ERA. It just wasn't as dominant. There were a couple bad innings here and there where you know you give up three four runs, actually really only two or three runs. But um, you know nothing jumped off the page as great for Stroman. Now these first two starts in May have been electric. Eight innings, one run, nine strikeouts. Seven innings, two runs, eight strikeouts against uh, at Tampa Bay and against the Dodgers. What'd you talk to him about, and, and where do you stand on Marcus Stroman right now? I talked to him a little bit about his crazy ass sinker that he throws. He so throws uh, some, it almost looks like a, a, a split finger grip, but he wouldn't let me take a picture, and it sounded like he had regrets about letting anyone take a picture of it. So that was a little weird. He's also not the most heady. Um, not the most heady guy in terms of mechanics. It's not, he's more intuitive and he talked about his body a lot and getting his body right. And so when I, when I was trying to ask him about, you know, the extra depth on his breaking balls, he said, it's all about the body. 
And he said that even though they worked really hard at Duke to get ready to be back early last mm-hmm. year and to be useful to the Blue Jays at the end of the year last year, that the the added offseason allowed him much more time to get looser and stronger in the hips. Um, and, uh, you know, you can... When I was like, well, it seems like you're getting on top of the ball better and, and your release point's a little bit higher and that's allowing you to get this depth. He, and he said, that sounds that sounds right. All I did was get my body ready. You know? <laughs> He's so, like, sure, sure. Um, you, you you say that and I'll just say I worked out. Yeah, right. And, and he's yoked. I mean, he is just uh, he's just a little dynamo. That's the man. thing. He's he's, just... He might be short, but he he is definitely fit, extremely fit. Yeah. And but uh, yeah. Well, so can that translate? I mean, you know, he talks about that might that might be working for depth on his on his breaking balls. Maybe could give him a tick of velocity. Is it? You think he focuses on that because the size thing's always been something that he's dealt with. And stamina is something that he's questioned about because now we look in his last four starts, his last five starts, he's gone into the seventh inning. He went into the ninth inning of his debut. Only one game has he not finished six and he got into the sixth inning. And so do you think that maybe there's a conscious um, uh, approach to be more efficient so you get deeper into games and not necessarily worry about strikeouts? And if they come, they come the way they have the last two games. Yeah, I don't know. That's that seems to be giving him a, a bit too much credit to, again. Okay. Um, I mean, he's he. I think uh, his father uh, is a is a workout champion, um, and that he sort of uh, he thinks of himself as an athlete, so he tries to be as as yoked as he can be. Um, you know, and that's how I live my yeah, life. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> which just as can be just happens to be just not, not that, that much yeah at, my threshold <laughs> is just substantially lower but this is as yoked as i can be guys come on <laughs> but uh but i would say that I, I do think the extra depth is helping him on whiffs and uh on his breaking ball so that's that's good he also said that and i'm not sure let me see if that's uh that's showing up here usage percent usage Yes, it is showing up. The cutter usage he's big on. Um, and that's that's really taken off in the last two games. It's most of the year um, and the most uh, of the last two years, really, uh, in his last game. So the cutter, uh, he's, uh, he's using more than ever. And he says he really feels good about it. And what he pointed out to me was that he was more – he wasn't really a pitcher for a long time. And that he sort of – he's still learning to pitch. And he said that – when he was in college, he was a, a four-seam guy with two bre- with two breaking balls, and he would have 115 pitch. Oh yeah, he does care about um, about uh, getting through the innings faster because he said in college he was a 115 pitch guy that uh, wouldn't get out of the fifth inning because he had a ton of strikeouts and a ton of and home runs and uh, you know it was just all breaking balls and four seamers. Yeah, just trying to get get those whiffs. And so he, he said in 2014. He just, you know, picked up the ball in this weird way, uh, threw it, really liked the way it moved, and then just, you know, kept kept throwing it that way. Um, and that's totally replaced his four-seam sense, and it's changed him as a pitcher. Probably does allow him to get into the games a little bit further. So it is, it was a focus of his. But it, it was also part of a larger conversation where he's saying, I'm still learning, I'm still adding pitches. And even though I don't believe in my change right now, and I don't love it right now, the cutter's feeling really good, mm-hmm. and that gives me cutter slider curve. Um, and he felt they were very distinct, distinct grips, distinct, distinct mechanics, um, and he didn't feel like they were really morphing in with each other. Uh, so the, the cutter is just his foreseen grip, uh, slightly offset, um, you know, and the curve and the slider, you know, even though actually the projection, the, the 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 systems that catch his curve and, and slider aren't doing a very good job because he said the slider is smaller than his curve. The slider is like a little a little harder thing that goes up down, and then the curve is more sweeping side to side, uh, but also has as much depth or more. Uh, so I think they do give the projection systems have a hard time with them. He's, he says there's separate pitches, and I believe I, I, him. I so. agree, and and honestly, we've got him with five pitches of eight percent or or more. So, you know, that's that's a healthy arsenal there. 60 uh, 59% with the fastball, 12% with the slider, 12% with the cutter, 8% with the curve and then 10% with the change. So, and they're right, you know, they're right all at that at that sort of 10% level where I, I believe in this Absolutely. Pitches, so. Absolutely. Those, those are legit uh, and, numbers. Uh, 
And for a guy that's you know only had three years here and only another two, three, four years of pitching at all, um, it's uh, it is interesting to hear him say that the cutter is, is something new for him that he's really into. So, you know, I think uh, I think that uh, maybe I undervalued him a little bit. <clears throat> maybe he can get uh, seven and a half strikeouts per nine or eight even. Uh, and if you compare that with that sixty percent ground ball weight, which I do believe, um, I'm, I'm into it. The only thing that worries me is that that grip is so crazy and uh, the the action so crazy on that on that sinker. I just you know I I don't I don't worry about his longevity necessarily because of his height, but I do think about his longevity a little bit because of uh, you know that sinker plus his height plus research I did recently on ground ball uh, ground ball heavy pitchers not not having uh, as much longevity. Okay. So. I think maybe in, in, in long-term keeper leagues, the, the next two, three years, there's going to be a good time to sell him. But that's uh, two, three years. He's 25. I'm talking about selling him when he's 28, yeah, 29. Yeah, let, let's not, enjoy the, the good now. times then. Yeah. Um, rest of the year kind of projection for him. He's at 360 and a 102 whip, so he's almost the opposite of Hap, where that ERA is probably high for what the whip is. And if these strikeouts, they don't even have to be at this level. You don't have to get 9 and 8 per game the way he did in those last two games. But like you said, if he can get 7.5-ish, and, and that's what he did in his first season. He was at 7-7 seven, seven, uh, back in 2014. If he, can, if he can live there with this elite ground ball rate, I think he's a firm number two. What kind of ERA would you tag on him the rest of the way? Uh, the projections say upper threes, 390, 360, and 374 are the three numbers. Are you below that, or are you right there for Strom? Well, I do actually think his whip might go up. I mean, it's it's hard. Even with a guy with a 60% ground ball rate, it's hard to you know sustain like a 250 whip. So 250 by uh, it, I'm going to give him. Yeah, 250 Babbitt, sorry. So I'm going to give him like a one point. I'm going to take a better than the projections on everything, but not a lot okay. better. I'm going to allow them to restrain me, and I'm going to say 3.5, 1.2, uh, 7.5. Okay. that works, uh, though. It's better than the projections, and that means that he's a buy. Yep. I mean, it means that, uh, you know, even, especially if he goes out and only has, like, six strikeouts or five strikeouts in the next night. In the next, uh, in the next yeah. game, then that might be a good time to buy him and say, well, you know, those strikeouts were weren't real. Um, you know, just give him to me as a as a meat and potatoes guy, and uh, and and I'll be and and you know I'll give you this this nice piece I like, or whatever. I like that. So I, I would I would buy on Stroman as well. I've got a couple shares of him hanging on. Uh, was worried about the strikeouts early because they were so low. He's kind of gotten it back. He is a dynamic guy. I. Like you said, you know he's maybe not the most heady when he comes about, um, you know his 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 stats or whatever. But he's always out there working and 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 trying new things to be as successful as he can. I, I'm sure most guys are, but I like that his approach is dynamic, and I think Stroman is somebody who can be really good and be a solid fantasy number two even with the with the low strikeouts. Uh, we got breaking news. <laughs> this is not that breaking, but I just noticed that Javier Baez has a logo, uh, as, as the MLB logo, the one that's on the back of the jerseys, on the back of his neck in a tattoo form. What is that? Wow. Who's that? Javier Who's that? Baez. I'm, I, got the, I got this Cubs game on. <laughs> some of you, there was only one, only one place he could work. There. Right? I mean, some, that might be old news for some of y'all, but I just noticed it, and it is interesting. That's the best I'm going to give it. But we'll, we'll actually close out on him. He's not on the list. but It's funny, too, because it's right above it, it, the jersey it, and below the hat. So it's like bing, yep, bing, bing. All three right there. He's got the one on the hat, one on his neck, and then the one on his jersey. He loves the MLB. Good for him. He's actually playing pretty well. And like I said, I didn't put him on the list, so I'm throwing you on the spot here. But are you a Baez guy? I never really have been because of the strikeouts. But the strikeout rate's down to 22% as well. I know playing time's the biggest issue. Um, and the swinging strike rate is still exceedingly high at 17%. But it, what is Javier Baez to you? If you have space on your bench, this is a guy to buy right now. Because he, I think with the defense that he shows, even if he strikes out a little bit more, it's not like Solaire's not striking out. And Tommy LaStella has brick hands. As you say that, he makes, a, he makes a nice play. He couldn't quite finish the throw. I don't know if that was on Rizzo or him, but he made a diving stab at third. Uh, almost oh, made the play. Right. This is LaStella, not Baez? No, this was Baez. This, right oh, right yeah, as you yes. say that, he made a okay. really good play. Let's see the throw yeah. here, if it was on him or Rizzo. It was a tough throw. Uh, that's on Rizzo. I'm putting that on Rizzo. 
But so Baez is going to play more than Estella, who's, I think, more of a sub, not great defense, yeah. uh, okay bat. And then, you know, uh, you know, if 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 Lestella is so bad, you know, really on the infield, then he can be bad in the outfield, and it can be Lestella versus Soler for playing time out there. Um, and uh, and you know, honestly, I think that's uh, and then Caesar's in the mix in the outfield too. So I just I just feel like Baez with his defense has you know so many more things he can do, and it just seems like his manager trusts him more. Than, than he trusts Solaire. So yes, I think Bias. This is a great time to buy him. Put him on your bench, especially if you can put him on your bench, um, and and just see if you can get. You know what's he what's he doing right now? He's playing like uh, two out of every yeah, three games. And if, and if that can you know things happen, whether it's underperformance or you know dreaded injury, we're not we don't know who will get hurt. We're not trying to guess who's going to get hurt, but players get hurt. That's just that's one of the things that they love to do. I'm kidding about love to and do it. Bet on the guy with plus plus bad speed, which Soler has some of his own, but uh, adds to it plus plus and defense, sneaky so. speed too. He's he's got a lot of yeah. double digit stolen base totals. Does Javier Baez as well, and he's already two for three this year. Two for three is not that good, but he's got a couple to go with his two homers. I'm coming back around on him. Uh, it was a guy I never really liked. Again, that strikeout rate, I'm just like, ah, I'll wait. He's only, still only 23 years old, too. So, okay, bench bat, Javier Baez. And starting to get eligibility at different spots, too, because he plays around so much. He's almost their uh, utility guy. So that's an interesting play. Um, all right, Eno, that's going to do it for the week for us. You got to get out and play some ball, drain, drain some buckets, and, and go Steph Curry on everybody and score uh, what seventeen points in a five minute overtime. Unbelievable! Uh, the, the guys were thinking. yeah, I'm more like uh, limping around like Steph Curry before oh, he played that in, game. Oh, you're injured, <laughs> Steph Curry. I, I'm, uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna put the brace on. I'm gonna run out there. It's okay that I'm a little late because uh, I don't want to play the full full thing and get you know retired and 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 screw it up again. So, but I am feeling. Okay, and I'm about averaging about twenty for forty from three on uh, on my practice. Go. So I just perch in that corner like and, and, be, and be big shot, Bob, be Bob Ori, and just drain mad threes. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stand here, hand me the ball. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you hit the big shots, you'll take care of them. You'll go Kristaps Sporzingas on them. All right, you know, I'll let you get out to the court. We will talk again next Monday. All right, see ya.